Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. It is September 16th, 2016, and you are indeed Locked On Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast podcast network. My name is Philip Rossman Reich. I am the site expert and editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com and we've hit the end of the week getting kind of the somewhat of the midpoint of our uh, player profile series, player prospect outlook series. Uh, we'll have a little bit more on that later on in the show today as we take a look at Mario Hizonia. but this has also been a busy, busy week on the Locked On Magic podcast. Uh, doing some crossover episodes with some of the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, and I would encourage you to check out all of our guests, uh, Locked On Heat, Wes, uh, Wes Goldberg and David Ramil, uh, Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. He visited, we visited with him yesterday. Uh, you've got Fred Katz of Locked On Thunder, uh, and of course, uh, our guest today, uh, Jared Dubin of Locked On Knicks. Uh, this show, again, going to be a little bit lo- on the longer side, and, and I'll talk a little bit more after the crossover part of our episode. But, you know, as we've said throughout this, uh, throughout the summer, the Eastern Conference is kind of a big jumbled mess, and no two teams really did more to change their rosters than the Orlando Magic and the New York Knicks. And despite all those changes, no one's quite sure if they're going to make the playoffs or not, uh, whether whether they're going to they're gonna achieve their goals and, and all of that. Uh, so we had a conversation, our conversation with Jared Dubin of Locked On Knicks to, to learn a little bit more about the New York Knicks uh, and, and kind of compare notes on, on all the changes that have happened in the league and or, with these two teams and where they might stand in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I will note that um, I may have unintentionally said something a little bit callous. Uh, we do talk a little bit about Derrick Rose and uh, I, you know, we, we both talked about it. We both talked about it um, and focused specifically on the basketball court. We do want to recognize though that there is a very, very, very serious uh, real life thing going on with Derrick Rose that I encourage all of you to uh, read and learn more about. Um, it, it It's not good for Derrick Rose, nor should it be if the allegations are true. Uh, as, as Jared notes during the podcast, uh, he did a very, very detailed look at uh, the situation, go- at the at the charges against Derrick Rose that he that he sexually assaulted an ex-girlfriend. Uh, it is a civil trial uh, and uh, noted noted an update on that. But be sure to go check out Locked On Knicks. You can find it on Audioboom and iTunes. He has an in-depth conversation on the lawsuit against Derrick Rose uh, for sexual assault. Uh, I highly encourage that you listen to that. Um, it, it's certainly a very, very bad situation for Derek for Derek Rose, as it should be if these allegations are true. With that serious note, and I apologize, and I'm just noting this because I, I may have had some throwaway language that I didn't mean as kind of throwaway language, but it, it certainly came out that way, and, and I don't want to, you know, make light of what's going on with Derek Rose. Uh, but it's it's a conversation that focuses mostly on basketball, and that's that's where we wanted to keep it. Uh, with that being said, uh, enjoy this conversation I had with Locked On Knicks, uh, Jared Dubin. 
Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. And if you are listening on Locked On Magic, this is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm joined now by the host of Locked On Knicks, Jared Dubin. Jared, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How about you? I'm doing all right. Always always good to be another day closer to the beginning of basketball season. And I think, uh, I think there's, in the Eastern Conference at least, there may not be two teams that probably have as had as much change or as much uh, as much controversy or as, or as much hope as as our two teams the Knicks and the Magic. Yeah, I mean certainly I think they went underwent the most high profile changes to their roster, you know, unless you want to include the Celtics getting Al Horford, but that was only one guy and I think both the Knicks and the Magic turned over a more significant portion of their rosters and also did so while losing some significant players as well. So it was, it's interesting to see the two sort of matched up in that way. Yeah. And, and certainly I think the magic and the Knicks made probably the splashier splashiest moves as far as teams that are outside the playoffs, trying to get into the playoffs and, and what's looking like a much more competitive Eastern conference than ever before. Uh, what I mean, obviously the Knicks made, some big changes, you know, bringing in Derrick Rose, bringing in Joachim Noah. Uh, what what were your what are your thoughts on, on how the Knicks roster is uh, is kind of building itself up and and what they can do this season? Yeah, I think it's and this is something I've talked about on the previous podcast we've done. It's it's probably the most high variance roster in the league just because of all the different components involved. Uh, you know, you have Carmelo who is and has been a very good player for a long time but also has dealt with injury issues over the last few years and when he's been out the Knicks have been really really bad in those games then you have players at both point guard and center who over the last few years have not played to their full capabilities and have also missed extensive portions of the season due to injuries and that's true of the backup point guard as well and then you have again you know a very high ceiling player in uh, Kristaps Porzingis playing, you know, power forward and a little bit of center, I would imagine as well. And, and the range of outcomes that are possible for his season is, is crazy. You know, he could be as good as he was last year. He could take a slight step back. You know, it's not unheard of for rookies as good as he was to not, not be quite as good in their second season. You know, he could take a slight step forward. He could take a major step forward. And where all of those variables come down, obviously, is going to wind up determining how the Knicks play and you know they I could see them getting anywhere from like 30 to 50 wins depending on how all of those variables play out but it seems like the most likely case scenario is they wind up somewhere you know in the low 40s or or potentially high 30s if a few more of those variables go the wrong way or the other yeah I mean I think uh, I I know Magic fans can can relate to that in in a lot of ways because I think you described a lot of the same problems that that the Magic have this year, uh, with with how their roster uh, is is made up. Um, you know, I think everyone's kind of expecting Aaron Gordon to make a leap, but he could kind of stay where he's at. Evan Fournier could make a leap. 
Ibaka's got to Serge Ibaka's got to kind of prove that he's making his way back uh, to to hit to the levels that he was at a few years ago. Uh, you know, they took a huge risk with Bismack Biombo and free agency. It's 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 a weird mix, and and I think like you, I can see the Magic finishing with with thirty wins or finishing with like 45, 46, 47 wins, something like that, and and making the playoffs. And I think uh, that's kind of where a lot of the confusion and 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 questions about the Magic's offseason comes from. Um, the Knicks, obviously, though, you know, they, they've made their play in free agency uh, or they made a big play with a trade with Derrick Rose. Um, you know, I, you know, I guess we'll put the, the, the elephant, the elephant in the room with Derrick Rose, uh, to the side for now and just focus on basketball if, if that's okay with, with everyone else. Uh, but what, what are you expecting from, from Derrick Rose this year? Yeah. I mean, look, the, the elephant in the room, obviously the, the trial that's yeah. starting the same day uh, as Nick's training camp is set to start. You know, there was a conference call with Jane Doe's lawyers today where, you know, they it's expressed. Certain, it, well, it's also they expressed uh, serious doubts about whether there would ever be a settlement before trial because they said that Rose's lawyers have been unresponsive to requests for, you know, a settlement conference. So it, it does seem like at this point, a couple weeks ahead of the expected trial date, it doesn't seem like there will be a settlement, but that date rapidly approaching tends to spur on settlement talks uh, in cases like this. So it is possible that he doesn't wind up actually missing any time. Uh, and obviously there are more important issues within that trial than whether or not he plays for the Knicks uh, or how much Absolutely. time he does. But like you said, you know, I, I've done a podcast about that with Dan Worley. Uh, you could find that on the Locked on Knicks feed for all the listeners out there and you know that covers everything that needs to be talked about so far in that so again here we'll we'll focus on the basketball and, and, to I, don't me, mean to, I, and I don't mean to push it to the side like uh, i mean uh, it's obviously a very serious issue and, and i definitely suggest everyone listen to your podcast uh, on it um and uh, at least be aware of what's going on but uh we we'll, we'll focus on basketball here uh we're not meaning to push it to the side or anything like that it's it's just something i've gone into fairly in depth sure. already and sure. necessarily to be rehashed again uh, on this type of podcast where um, and Rose to me sort of basketball wise falls into the same category as the Knicks as a team. And a lot of that is because he so much symbolizes what their team is going to be like. You know, it's, it's extremely high variance. You know, I could see him being very bad. I could see him being OK. And I could see him being, you know, an, an above average to very good player, uh, all based on a number of factors, including his health, you know, how he's affected by the presence of uh, a pick-and-pop big man in Christoph Porzingis that he's never really had in his career before, you know, how he's affected by, um, you know, the presence of a scorer who takes so much defensive attention away in Carmelo, where, you know, he's really only had that last year with Jimmy Butler, and and last year, you know, he had the eye injury at the start of the season, and there was all sorts of reports about tug-of-wars over whose team it is and blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't think there's really going to be much question about that in New York, you know, there may be tug of wars over who has the ball the most. Uh, but uh, again, it's, it's a very high range of outcomes. And to me, the most likely scenario is that you see flashes of brilliance, flashes of, you know, the opposite of brilliance, like very bad play. And a lot of in the middle where it seems like he brings things to the table, but also takes a lot off the table. And, um, you know, how much more of one than the other you get uh, I think we'll go a long way toward determining how good the Knicks themselves are. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how, how how Derek Rose reacts to being in a new environment and how he reacts uh, playing with a teammate like Carmelo Anthony. I mean, I think at this point we know what they're going to kind of give a team. It's just whether they can stay healthy uh, for the long term to to really make to put the Knicks on that upper end of, of that of that uh, tier of that uh, range as, as as you describe it. Um, I know I know Magic fans are still a little bit obsessed with Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, you know, there was that story that came out that the Magic were really going hard after him in the 2014 draft. Uh, obviously, they picked fifth, and, and while they like Mario Azonia, he, he's not quite uh, Porzingod. Uh, but what, what what are you expecting from from Porzingis in his second year? Uh, it is you know kind of was that kind of that national? I mean, when the Knicks came into town last year, Porzingis was incredible, and that was really early in the season. Uh, is, is he going to be able to replicate that, or, or what What are kind of reasonable expectations now that he's on a team that, that seems to have a lot of guys who need the ball and, and another kind of passing high post center in Joachim Noah? Yeah, I think that you could see him post sort of similar to slightly improved numbers over last season, even if he doesn't get the ball quite as much, because it seems like he's a, a lock to play at least like five or six more minutes a game. And he only played, he played less than 29 minutes a game last season. I think it was 28.8 or something like that. And I would expect him to get into the mid-30s this year, barring him getting, you know, in, in foul trouble like he did at the start of last season. Um, you know, that combined with what I expect to be improved outside shooting, you know, based on the history uh, of European players to do that. And then the fact that he's been billed, obviously, as a plus outside shooter. And, you know, his stroke is really so, so smooth and so repeatable. And, and it just seems like he should get that three-point percentage up. Um, I, I would imagine that his numbers on the surface level will look the same or better than they were last year, even if he doesn't get quite as many touches. Um, the, the things that I definitely want to see him improve are sort of his, his finishing around the basket. You know, for a seven-foot-three guy to be a below-average finisher around the rim uh, is not something that you really want to see. That's something that I think, you know, will improve as he gets stronger, which... You know, if you've seen uh, his, his pictures from his workouts, it looks like he's added some bulk to his frame already. And uh, I will expect that at media day, we'll hear about how he's put on 15 pounds of muscle. Uh, muscle as we do. back on. Yeah. Uh, players either put on 15 pounds of muscle or lose 15 pounds of fat. They're, I would all, they're all in the best shape of their life. That's all that matters. Yeah, he will be one of the players that put on 15 pounds of muscle, possibly even 20 pounds of muscle. Um, <laughs> and I would imagine that that will help him improve his finishing around the basket both because he'll be able to better finish through contact and because he'll be able to get himself better positioned near the basket uh, in order to give himself easier looks. Um, and, and I think that's something that, that will help his numbers as well. The The other thing that I really want to see is sort of more consistency defensively. You know, he made a lot of really good plays and he flashed the ability to do a lot of really special things uh, in terms of both his rim protection and his ability to switch uh, onto smaller players that are pick and rolls but it, it would be nice to see that come through on, on an every-play basis rather than a 50 to 75% of plays basis. And given how hard he works and, and how you know, his, his skill set figures to translate and just you know, the, the sort of understated athleticism that he has, he's, he's not a guy that necessarily looks like the greatest athlete in the world because he has, you know, he's a giant person with gangly arms and legs, but he moves really well for a person that size. And that should help him, I think, transition to to doing those things more consistently as well. Yeah, and and, and obviously the league kind of fell in love with him and, and and all of his potential. It'll it'll be interesting to see 
uh, what happens in year two. I mean, because like they say, you're, the, the year they have the most growth is between your rookie year and your sophomore year. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see where he goes and how he fits with this with this group. Um, you know, I think one of the one of the interesting things about the Knicks and, and really about the Knicks and the Magic how they relate together is you know these are two teams that are outside of the, that were outside the playoff picture last year who are trying to find their way in. Uh, for I mean I guess you know we can transition maybe some Magic Magic questions here before we kind of tie it all together with with talk about whether either of these two teams can will make the playoffs. But what you know what was your perception on on how the Magic how the Magic did or even how the Knicks did? Did you think they got closer to to, to getting back into the playoffs than they were last year? And, and I guess, you know, where do you, do you think the Magic did that as well? Yeah, I think both teams got closer, but I'm not positive that either definitively did enough to get in. You know, the, the Knicks, again, I think there are certainly scenarios where you could envision them making the playoffs. You know, if, if two or three or, or four of their offseason bets wind up coming down in their favor, then you know you would imagine that they could easily work their way into the playoffs, uh, certainly in the bottom half of the bracket. And there's scenarios where they're even in the, in the top half of the bracket if literally everything breaks right for them. Um, the Magic, I think, are sort of in a similar boat, but don't have quite as high an upside. It, it's more of a, you know, they they finished I think nine games out of the playoffs last year, and I yeah. feel like they they improved themselves by somewhere to from five to 10, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like they sure. have a slim, a slim margin for error, even on the top end of their projection this year. Like if they get to 45 wins, you know, most years that's definitively good enough to make the playoffs in the East. But last year, 44 was the eighth seeded. And it does seem like there are a bunch of teams in the East that should be better this year and not many that should be worse. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I would imagine that, the, the Knicks and the Magic are going to be better, but also the Bucks and the Wizards who finished outside the playoffs last year too. Yep. I would imagine the Pistons are going to be better this year. Uh, the Celtics are certainly going to be better this year. It's, and, you know, there are some teams that are up in the air. You know, Toronto might be a little bit worse, but they won 56 games last season. It's very difficult to imagine them falling out of the playoffs. You know, Miami won 48. You know, did, did they get worse enough to fall out? I mean, they're getting Chris Bosh back who they didn't have in the second half of last season. It's hard to see them falling down by eight or ten games uh, if Bosch is able to play the whole season. You know, uh, Maybe Indiana falls out with their, their new faster-paced team that isn't necessarily uh, going to be as good defensively as they've been over the last few years. But you know, that's, that's only one team possibly falling out of the playoffs. Um, and I, I think Charlotte got a couple games worse through Jeremy Lynn and Al Jefferson, but a couple games might not be enough to drop them out. You know, it's... I think these teams got better, but so did the teams in front of them. And it makes it difficult to say that either of them definitively put themselves 100% uh, into the playoffs, especially given with the Knicks, how high variance they are. And with the magic, how slim of a margin for error, I think they have. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's really spot on. Um, I think that uh, the magic, you know, they probably got better, you know, off their 35 win season last year, certainly uh, having a coach who, may or may not have quit on the team in January uh, will probably help just a little bit. Uh, but uh, it's still a, a long way up. You know, I think the Magic will be a really good defensive team, but uh, the offense still has a lot of questions. And I think an advantage that a team like the Knicks and even the Heat have is, you know, the Magic don't have a Carmelo Anthony. I mean, as much as people 
kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say trash, but you know, the people people get on Carmelo Anthony for his style of play and and, and all of that. When he's in the game, you still have a chance to win any game that that, that you're in. Um, and like you said, when the, when he wasn't when he was playing for the Knicks, uh, you know they were a decent team. When he wasn't, they were just terrible. And, and he still has that ability to to attract in a defense. And, and I don't think the Magic have that player. Um, and certainly, uh, you know they have a guy who can kind of anchor a team defensively in Serge Ibaka, perhaps, but they don't have anyone offensively that can do that. And especially when it gets down to crunch time, when it gets down to you know, needing to win a, win a series a series of games, having that safety valve is really, really important, um, even against good defensive teams. Uh, and I think that's something that the Magic are really missing and why, you know, even as someone who, you know, obviously follows the Magic pretty closely and, and, and believes, they, you know, believes they're, they're probably better off than, than a lot of people, I still wonder if they can, uh, they can get over the top without that kind of a player uh, on the roster. And certainly, I, I think there's, as far as like variance, I think, you know, what Aaron Gordon's going to be, what Alfred Payton's going to be, what Evan Fournier's going to be, what, you know, what they're going to do at the front court. There are just so many questions that leave a lot of uncertainty uh, for this Magic roster heading into heading into the season. Yeah, I have so many questions about <laughs> what they're doing. Like, who's going to start at the four and the five? Like, are they going to bring Vucevic, who's like their best scorer? Are they going to bring him off the bench? Are they going to have Biombo making $16 million a year coming off the bench? Like it, it, it seems like they sort of built a team that could play the kind of defense that Frank Vogel likes to play, you know, with Ibaka and Biombo patrolling that back line and also using their athleticism to cover a lot of space. And then Alfred Payton sort of playing a, a George Hill style role within their defense as a guy with, you know, incredibly long arms uh, and sturdiness at the point of attack and pick and rolls. But then you're like, well, where does Vucevic fit into that? And how does Aaron Gordon function as a pure perimeter player rather than someone who splits his time between the three and the four? Like, can they find Aaron Gordon minutes at the four? And if so, like, which two big men are they? Like, there's so many different things yeah. that I have to work out in my head. And that's before you consider that they signed Jeff Green for $15. <laughs> I mean, it's a very, very strange team. Um, and one that you can only sort of reconcile as, as having a plan if you sort of lean into that Pacers light with with Biombo and Ibaka and the front court together. Uh, where do you come down on, on any number of those things? Yeah, well, the answer to all those questions is yes. Um, that's that's <laughs> about the only way I, I can describe it. Uh, I mean, I think I think what was pretty clear. Uh, from the last four years with the Magic, is they've been they've been seeking an identity, and and they've said they wanted a defensive identity, but they never could quite get it. Uh, and so adding Ibaka, adding Biombo, kind of cements uh, defensive identity on the team, and kind of forces them to play that way. And, and certainly Frank Vogel is a fantastic defensive coach. Uh, the big question, I think you're right, is is the Nikola Vucevic question. That's probably the question that I've spent the most time thinking about and discussing throughout the summer. Um, I think the Magic will probably start the season with Vucevic starting just because they need the offense. Uh, and Frank Vogel seems pretty confident that he can at least teach Vucevic how to anticipate and uh, defend a little bit better. But I, I still have questions of whether that's enough, whether that's going to be enough to, to make the Magic a defensive team because the, the end of the day, the Magic's ga- gamble, if you will, is pretty clear. They believe if we can be a top 10 defense, if we can have an elite defense in the league, 
we will get in the playoffs. I think it's 10 of the top 11 teams by defensive rating made the playoffs last season, and it's kind of a similar trend throughout the last five, six, seven years that you play defense at you know, the top end of the league, the very, very top end of the league, you're going to be you're going to make the playoffs at a bare minimum. Whether you win or not past that is, you know, another question entirely. Uh, so, you know, yes, I think they're gonna give Vucevic his shot, but if their defense really struggles with him there, they're gonna move pretty quickly to, to throw Biombo in there. And after that, I don't know what you do with Vucevic from there. Um, because I think he I don't think he's gonna accept coming off the bench for for this team and this franchise, at least unless they're Unless they're winning at a high level, and there's no reason to complain because because you're winning. Um, I have yeah two two sort of follow up questions about all of that stuff. Um, you know, one, do you think that Frank Vogel, the idea behind that hire was sort of like a less crazy version <laughs> of Scott Skiles that doesn't rub his players the wrong way as much? Uh, and two, is Alfred Payton and Bismack Biombo the least threatening pick and roll combination <laughs> in? The- um. I, yeah, I think I think that was a big reason why they they went after Vogel. I mean, God knows before before the Scott Skiles fire before Scott Skiles resigned, uh, I had Twitter followers mentioning me saying the Magic should fire Scott Skiles and go hire Frank Vogel right now. I mean, I think we I think everyone recognizes that that is a major upgrade at coach and Vogel promises a lot of the same things Skiles does without kind of the the intensity. Let's say. That, that Skiles will sometimes bring to a team. Um, yeah, and I also think an Alfred Payton, Bismack, Biombo pick and roll is, is not going to be very threatening. I mean, I guess, you know, Payton, Payton's really strange because he does have this knack of finding his way into the paint and and creating creating shots for himself. He really is almost a mini Ray John Rondo. He's not nearly as, as skilled uh, as Rondo is, but but he does have this way of just getting into the paint and at least – you know, making the defense think even as they're backing off of him. Uh, but yeah, uh, Peyton Biombo pick and roll isn't going to be very attractive. Um, I would imagine they'll run Ibaka more with with Peyton there, or you know, maybe even swing the ball to Fournier and let Fournier run pick and roll with with Biombo because Fournier is pretty good at running. Uh, the, is is pretty good at running the pick and roll to create for others, if not if not necessarily for himself. Yeah, one of the things that was disconcerting. Um about the magic for me last year was how much less often both Peyton and Victor Oladipo got into the paint. Uh, at, at the start of the year, they were doing it a little bit more. And um, by the end of the season, I think they had both, uh, you know, if you look at the sport view numbers, they were driving to the basket pretty significantly less often than they were the year before. Um, I mean, that's something that you would imagine has to be rectified in order for them to be a good offense this season, you know, on, yeah. on paper part at least. Yeah, someone's, uh, someone's got to get into the paint. I mean, I think that's the that's the big ticket for causing the defense to collapse a little bit because right now the Magic don't have a lot of shooters in their starting lineup. I mean, I think Ibaka – I mean, if your starting lineup's Peyton Fournier, Gordon, Ibaka, and Vucevic, Ibaka and Fournier are really your only shooters – I don't know how much you want Ibaka standing on the three-point line. I think that's kind of wasting a lot of his potential. Uh, Vucevic has reportedly been working on a three-point shot, but I don't know how much you want him standing on the, on the perimeter waiting for a three-point shot. And Gordon is, is a sub thirty percent free throw shooter or three-point shooter. Uh, but you know, even if he improves a little bit, how much is that really going to spread the floor? So, you know, I think the Magic may have to run an offense similar to what they ran last year, where they're kind of trying to use the pass to 
to create cutting lanes and, and that, use that to get into the paint. Um, they've just got to find a way to get into the paint. And last year, yeah, they, they got worse and worse at that as the year went on. Uh, Victor Oladipo was actually a pretty good mid-range jump shooter, surprisingly. Uh, so the, the Magic were able to make uh, some defenses pay, especially later in the season when they started picking themselves back up again. But um, it, it's going to be a huge issue for the Magic. Uh, Vogel wants Peyton to shoot um, when, when he's open, obviously. Uh, and so the Magic have got to prove, prove to defenses that they can make shots and, and loosen, loosen things up a little bit. I mean, do they have enough passing to make that style of offense work? I mean, Peyton's a very good passer. Fournier, for his position, I think is a pretty good passer as well. But Ibaka throughout his career has shown like almost no ability to create plays for others. Yeah. Uh, you know, when he's you know the the role man in the pick and roll or, or facilitating from pretty much anywhere. Um, you know, Vucevic has flashed. I think somewhat improved passing skills over the last couple of years. Um, but we haven't necessarily seen Gordon create like that yet. Um, you know, does Gordon have to become kind of like a Paul George style creator in order for them to be able to have a good enough passing to make that all work for them? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's kind of the hope that that I know that Gordon can take that big, big of a step up, uh, and that you know Ibaka not passing the ball literally at all is a function of his role in Oklahoma City's offense. I mean, I think, I think reshaping Ibaka, Ibaka and his role on this Magic team is going to be one of the more interesting aspects of the team. I mean, I, I think throughout his career, he's never had a usage rate better than 20%. So he's always kind of been a below average usage player. And pretty much when he was getting the ball, it was either to, to dunk it or to, or to take a mid-range jumper or to take a three-pointer. So he's never been asked to do very much um, from, from what I can understand and what I can glean uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the Magic are probably going to be asking him to do a little bit more uh, for them than he's ever had to do. Uh, Vucevic is, is certainly a better passer. Wouldn't surprise me to see them work out of the high post and see if, if Vucevic can can kind of take on that that Joachim Noah role or that Chris Weber role a little bit in the high post. It, it's 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 so hard to tell because we don't really know what kind of offense the Magic are going to run. They don't have a Paul George to kind of set the table and and stir the drinks, so, so to speak. Um, to use a Reggie Jackson line that I that I constantly refer, reference and like. Uh, but uh, the Magic, it's really unclear how this team's going to work offensively. Honestly, the second unit fits and works better offensively than probably the, the, the starting unit. And that could be a problem down the line as, as the Magic try and figure this thing out and try to win games. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on pretty much all of that. Uh, the, the big question I have, though, is uh, will they be able to trade Jeff Green for a first-round pick at the trade deadline? <laughs> Because you look at that guy's career, I think he's been traded for uh, a deal that includes a first-round pick three times, and has been given, you know, now a fifteen million dollar contract, and that is despite almost no track record of helping teams. Um, yeah, he seems to be someone that that people project a lot of things onto, that he can create shots for himself and make them, that he's a good outside shooter that he can defend multiple positions. And there's almost no evidence of him being able to do any of that at an above average level. Um, yeah. So, I mean, how do you think he fits within what they're doing? Uh, how do you think that they're going to wind up getting rid of him at the deadline? Uh, <laughs> and who will be the team dumb enough to think that Jeff Green is the solution to their problems? Well, I'll, I'll say this. You know, the, the, the Jeff Green signing certainly – raises the most eyebrows and yeah, $15 million is way too much for Jeff Green. 
I'm keeping my expectations low. I don't expect him to be more than the backup power forward, small forward. Um, you, I may, you may see some lineups with him and Aaron Gordon playing the 3-4 together. Uh, he's not challenging Aaron Gordon for minutes. If he does, that, that means something terribly wrong has happened. Uh, and certainly, I'm more comfortable with Jeff Green on the roster with Frank Vogel as the head coach rather than Scott Skiles because Scott Skiles would probably be someone that would believe Jeff Green is better than Aaron Gordon, period, no questions asked, because he's an older, more established player. Uh, thankfully, that, I don't, that's not the case. I think Vogel's going to let Aaron Gordon uh, run, things at, at, run things for the most part at that position. Uh, but, you know, I'm keeping my expectations low on Green. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he has, a, has that big game that makes everyone believe in him again. But for the most part, I think the Magic are going to be relying on him to provide some good spot minutes, uh, you know, start when, start when someone gets hurt. Be a decent rebounder, score when he's open, you know, have that one or two big games that he seems to have every year. And then at the deadline, I'm sure they'll be shopping him aggressively for, to a team that's trying to clear up some cap room. I mean, a one-year $15 million deal is not killer by any does anybody need to clear? Does anyone need to clear cap room? The cap's I, going up. I mean, honestly, the Magic need to clear cap room. <laughs> They spend right. they spend all their cap room uh, this this summer, uh, but uh, I'm sure there's there's always someone. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if if someone believes in Jeff Green again or he plays decently enough to make someone say, well, maybe we could use him to help. Uh, but uh, you know, I think I think the Magic kind of realized they needed someone at that spot for some depth. Uh, they wanted another veteran, perhaps. Uh, they took kind. They took a. They they put up a lot of money, but it's kind of a low risk at the end of the day. It's it's not killer. It's not like they signed him to like a three year, forty five million dollar deal. It's one year. Uh, you know, if they have to bring him back, you know, maybe that's when the mistake comes in. But uh, it, it's certainly, you know, he, he certainly could help a little bit off the bench. You're not relying on him solely uh, to to be the Jeff Green of everyone's dreams. Uh, but at the same time, he's very—he's a very movable contract. There's obviously some market for him, I would imagine. Um, someone always falls in love with him at the wrong time. Uh, and, you know, the Magic can obviously move some pieces around to, to bolster the roster for the long term, too. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of where I come down on. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to figure out, like, I, I honestly have, like, no opinion of Jeff Green. Um, I, I'm not expecting a whole lot from him, and you know, it's easy to it's easy to look at that fifteen million dollar number and be like, "What are the Magic doing?" But you know, at the end of the at the end of the season, you can wash your hands of him and be done with it. And that's I don't, okay. I don't think there's really any one year deal this season that you can criticize. You know, no matter what the salary is, the yeah. the money was basically monopoly money this offseason. He gave away a one year deal. Um, that's why I think the, the the best thing the Knicks did was get Brandon Jennings for one year and five million, and yeah. essentially got him for free. Um, that's, yeah, that is essentially for free. I mean, I right like the I, money I mean, didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, we saw Brandon Jennings here uh, for the last half of the season, and and you know, I think he's still trying to get 100 percent healthy. He said he was healthy, but um, I, I don't think he was quite there yet. But if you can get him back to the level he was at in Detroit before his Achilles injury, um, you know, you've got a pretty good player there, good bargain for for that one year. And so, you know, obviously a good opportunity for for Jennings to prove himself again. Yeah, I think one of his first games back uh, was against the Knicks, and um, he he showed you know the ability to to get to his spots on the court like he had before, but couldn't necessarily do anything everything that he wanted to once he got there. You know, and and that's something that takes some time to come back. 
Yeah, and it, and usually it usually takes what a year, year and a half to come back from that kind of injury that he had. I mean, it's it's. You know what? It was his. It was his actual first game back was against the Knicks. Um, played 16 minutes, few assists, two for four from the field. Um, you know, but it it takes time. You know, and it's yeah. especially when you have to play back to back games or four games in five nights or whatever it is. It's something that is hard on your legs because you haven't been using them or using them in the same way, uh, especially with you know your lower legs, which controls so much of your shot. Uh, so it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think he's going to be one of the more interesting uh, stories to follow on the Knicks. Like he said, he got two point guards who kind of have a have a bad history of, of leg injuries uh, that you know probably the most important position in the NBA today, relying on a lot of, uh, a lot of those, uh, those, those, those players who are still kind of getting themselves back to the level they were pre-injury. Right. Um, so before we go, I mean, we got to talk about Hazonia, right? I mean, what, oh, yeah. what, should we, what should we expect from him this season? Uh, I'm, I'm personally really high on Hazonia. I think, uh, the big thing that I think we can expect from him is the Scott Skiles leash is going to be off. Um, you know, I think what happened, I think a big thing that happened last year was Skiles just, you know, the way he does with rookies kept a, a very close eye on him. And anytime he made a mistake, he was yanked out of the game because winning was more important than letting a player make mistakes and learn from them on the court. Um, but I think Kazonia is going to get a little bit more freedom. I think he, I think one thing that he got during the Olympic run with Croatia is he got his, he looked like he was a lot more confident with his shot which is crazy to think that Mario Zonia wasn't confident, but I think a lot of it was kind of taken away some last year with the, with the struggles that he had with, uh, with, uh, with, with Skiles as his head coach. Uh, I, think, I think that confidence is going to be back this year. Um, I think he's going to uh, be able to, to shoot the ball. You know, I think his shooting percentage is going to go up as he's more comfortable with the NBA line, uh, and I think that we'll see him be on the ball a little bit more. I think the Magic will run him a little bit as their, their quote-unquote sixth man, uh, so to speak, uh, in that second unit. I think he's going to have a big role with, with the bench unit and, and get every opportunity to, to showcase his talents and kind of have the rookie year I think most of us wanted him to have. It's, it's not going to be a smooth ride. You know, I don't know exactly what, what to expect from him, but I certainly expect him to, to be a little bit better uh, having that year in the NBA under his belt and, and to have a little bit more freedom to, to play the way Mario Azonia knows how to play. Yeah, I, I wrote a story about him towards the end of last season, um, sort of about you know the the magic, the way they were bringing him along, mm-hmm. and a big part of that was Skiles basically saying like we're not giving him entitlement minutes. Yes, um, you know he's got to earn them with his defense and and things like that. And, and I talked to him, and I talked to Hazonia, and I talked to Oladipo. And they were all, you know, in, in favor of sort of bringing him along a little bit more slowly, as opposed to, you know, Oladipo and, and Peyton, who were sort of thrown into the fire right away. Um, you know, and one of the things Sazonia said was like, um, you know, we already have 25 wins this year. Last year they had 25 the whole season, so it's very different. Um, and and how th- things were different for him because. You know, it, it, coming in it from from Europe, he was allowed to sort of freelance defensively and use his athleticism 
uh, to gamble in the passing lanes and make plays that way. But but Skiles is like the most strict coach in the league mm-hmm. in terms of not breaking the defense at all and doing your responsibility and only your responsibility. So it was a little bit more difficult for him in particular, I think, to earn those minutes with his defense than it might have been if he was allowed to make plays the way he knows how to make plays. Yeah, and, and I think I think his Zonia got better at that as the season went on. And I think what, what frustrated me as someone watching the team, especially as they were falling out of the playoff picture, uh, it was clear his Zonia was getting better, but Skiles wasn't giving him more responsibility to do. And, and, and you know, maybe that's just my that's just my observation more than anything that I actually know. Uh, from talking to any of the players, but what really impressed me last year about Hazonia, and I'm sure you, you you saw this too, was he understood that he understood all of that. He understood that he had to get better on that end, and and seemed very willing to do the work. Um, you know, I'm sure he was frustrated he wasn't playing as much as he maybe thought he should have, but he you know he came he came over with all this talk about him being you know cocky and all that, but he seemed very very humble at the same time too, especially for someone his age you know, coming in with all that hype and with the draft spot, draft spot he came in at, um, he seemed very humble and ready to, ready to learn and eager to learn and kind of taking it all in. And so, uh, it was a little disappointing to, to, you know, the way I say that he didn't get the, he didn't let the leash loosen on him, but I think, I think we'll see a much more confident and comfortable Hazonia, especially, uh, in a, in a, in a defense system, very similar with, with what Frank Vogel runs. Yeah, I mean, I certainly hope that we see that. You know, the the skill set that he has, you know, both in terms of his ability to shoot from outside uh, and put the ball on the floor as well, you know, is, is something that's rare for for a player that's typically constrained. Uh, you know, when you have such a, a ball dominant non shooting point guard, you know, typically that that off guard guy is more of just a standstill shooter, um, and it really really helps that he sort of he shares. I think the trait with Evan Fournier that they can put the ball on the ground and, and create their yeah. own offense as well. Yeah. And, and I think he's certainly capable of doing that. He's, you know, still makes, you know, he made, he definitely made rookie mistakes last year. And, uh, you know, I think in, in the limited times he was, he was allowed to do that in, in, in Croatia for Croatia at the Olympics. Um, I think he was pretty good at it. I think in transitions where he's really, really effective and, uh, Someplace I'd like to see, you know, obviously I think the Magic have to get as much transition points as they can this year uh, with the with the struggles they might have on the offensive end. And I think that's where Hazonia can also play a, a major, major role as well. Yeah, I mean, you would think so, you know, just given how athletic he is and, and the different ways that, again, they probably need to do a bunch of their scoring before defenses get set up. Because, you know, if you've got two or three non-shooters in the lineup, it's going to be that much more difficult for you to score when when they do get set. Yeah, uh, it should be a, a very very interesting season. Um, you know, like we said, the Eastern Conference is much better. So even with the Knicks and Magic improving, uh, it could still be a little bit of a of a trek for both of those teams to get in the playoffs. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to this season. I think. Uh, outside of you know all the other storylines, I think the the Eastern Conference playoff race from like six to thirteen is going to be really really fascinating. I think those teams are all really really bunched up closely, especially in kind of like the seven to thirteen range uh, as well. Um, Jared, uh, for for my listeners, where where can where can everyone find you? Uh, I'm on on Twitter at jadubin5. Uh, the podcast is on Twitter at locked on Knicks. 
Uh, you can send us an email, lockedonnicks at gmail.com, uh, or my personal email address, which is in my bio of jadukin5. And, um, you know, if you go to my Twitter bio, there's a link to uh, my personal website where you can find archives for all my writing and all the different sites I read at, as well as the podcast archive also. Yeah, and Jared's definitely uh, definitely a, a great follow on Twitter, so I would definitely uh, check that out. Also, uh, check out the uh, you, you did you did the the nickname database, correct? Yes, I uh, for for Vice Sports this week, uh, I wrote about NBA nicknames. Um, I broke them down to into uh, eleven different kinds of nicknames that I, I've seen throughout the league, and uh, wrote about each one of those and, and why we can do better uh, with nicknaming players in the NBA. And uh, within that, I, I linked to a database that I created so that we can uh, jot down, you know, what all the nicknames for players are and, and which type they fall into because uh, the ones on the basketball reference pages are nonsense. Yeah. There are, there are some, there are some odd ones on, on that page. And, and I think they list Pookie as a Nick, they list Pookie as a nickname for Dwayne Wade. And P-Double as a nickname for Paul Pierce, who has literally never been called P-Double by anyone. Um, no. He, he also has... Paul Pierce, a, Paul Pierce only has one nickname, and it's right. the truth. Has, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry for the Knicks fans. It pains me to admit this, but the truth is the best nickname ever. It's a good nickname. And we, we and can thank Shaq for that one, right? It's so good. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, my, my favorite nickname on Basketball Reference is Channing Fry. He is Buffet of Goodness. Yeah, that's not a thing. Which either. I've never heard anyone call him. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's, it's not bad. great. That's why I felt the need to do this. It's you know? Definitely, definitely check that out. It was it was a fun it was a fun read, a good article. Um, I, I know there's a few Magic guys I would I probably need to submit to the database in there as well. Um, for all the Locked On Knicks listeners listening to this, you can follow me on Twitter at omagicdaily. Uh, that's where I post uh, all the Orlando Magic Daily articles as well as. Locked on Magic, and be sure to, uh, if you're interested more about the Magic and their crazy, crazy season, uh, you can check us out uh, on Audio Boom, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio as well. Jared, thanks for thanks for joining the show and doing another Locked On uh, Locked On podcast crossover episode. No doubt, man. Thanks a lot for doing this as well. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one get one free on our best selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. And, of course, a big thank you again to Jared Dubin of Locked On Knicks. Be sure to check out. All his great stuff out. He does a lot of great stuff. But like I like I mentioned on on the podcast, he's got that great nickname database as as he's trying to revitalize the nickname industry in the NBA. Uh, and uh, Locked On Knicks is a fantastic show. Again, go back and listen to that episode he suggested uh, regarding uh, the Derrick Rose allegations, uh, the sexual assault allegations against Derrick Rose uh, and the civil suit involved with that. Uh, it's certainly uh, interesting um, to say the least, especially with what's going on culturally around the U.S. in particular. Uh, as he noted, though, he did... I actually do remember he wrote that a great article on Mario Hazonia toward the end of the season last year. Uh, you know, we obviously know a lot about Mario Hazonia, and Hazonia will be the focus today of our player outlook. I know I touched a little bit on it 
during the podcast that that what I expect from Mario Hazonia is for him to be on the ball a little bit more, to uh, be a little bit more assertive and aggressive, uh, have a little bit of a longer leash, uh, continue to make general improvements. But generally, I think Hazonia, the problem with that Mario Hazonia had last year was he never gained Scott Skiles' trust. And that's certainly a hallmark of Scott Skiles is he just does not trust young players, and, and Hazonia was one of them. Now, all credit should go to Mario Hazonia. He really stuck with uh, stuck with what the coaches were telling him. He was eager and willing to learn, and it may have hurt some of that trademark, you know, trademark swagger that that people seem to think Mario has, and, and he certainly has has that on the court. Uh, but he was definitely a sponge and willing to learn. And, and what was frustrating last year, especially as the season got out of hand and and the playoffs were were done were gone. Uh, what was frustrating was we never got to see his zone. He just kind of go out there and show what he'd learned. Um, he was always kind of playing, you know, with the leash drawn tight and, and kind of looking over his shoulder because a mistake was going to throw him out of the lineup. And, and certainly Skiles did note some of those problems that, that Jared mentioned where he freelances a little bit too much on defense uh, and all that. I think that's going to change with Frank Vogel. I think Vogel is going to give him not necessarily more opportunity to make mistakes, but but certainly he'll have some free, some more freedom as long as he stays within the system and his responsibility, as long as he's got the right mindset. I think he will be given some more freedom to to make mistakes and to take chances that Skiles wouldn't give him. Uh, certainly the role the Magic have envisioned for Mario Hizonia is going to be a little bit different. That second unit has some scores now, and Hizonia is going to have to kind of find his way. But the Magic are very, very invested in Mario Hazonia. And you know, I wrote about this last week, that I really believe Mario Hazonia and the way he plays is going to be a barometer for how the Magic are doing this season. Mario Hazonia, as, again, as Jared mentioned earlier in the podcast, was never going to be gifted minutes. That's not where the Magic were at at, at, this, at this point in time. Hazonia was going to have to earn... Just about everything. Because the team was trying to win. And Scott Skiles, you know, as I've said numerous times, he doesn't see the force for the trees. He was trying to win every single game and would do whatever it took to win that game. So, now Frank Vogel comes in. And Vogel's got the same charge. He's got to win games. He's got to make the playoffs. And so I think for the Magic to have a successful season, they've got to continue kind of they got to win games, obviously. they got to make the playoffs. But I think they've also got to continue growing all of these young players. They're still a relatively young team. And their core and the guys that are still really important for this team are the young players, the Aaron Gordons, the Alfred Paytons, and the Mario Hazonias. Gordon and Payton have established themselves a little bit more. They're going to be in the starting lineup. Hazonia is still the great mystery. And so I think what's going to be very, very important for Mario Hazonia this year and really, really important for the Magic is they've got to continue growing Mario Hazonia. Now, what do I mean by that? Yes, they've got to be winning. But they've got to make sure Hazonia is contributing to that winning. They've got to make sure Hazonia is continuing to get better and improve on his game to the point that he is a solid contributor to that winning. Because Hazonia is as much a part of this team's future as anything else. Remember, they picked him number five in a loaded draft. They passed on Stanley Johnson and Justice Winslow on the wing to draft Mario Hazonia. So he's their guy. So they need to start seeing dividends on him. 
not huge dividends. He doesn't have to be a star yet. I, and I don't know if he can reach star level. He, he probably can. He's got the talent. But he's got to begin showing the Magic what he can do. And, and again, like so many of these other players, defining who he is. If the Magic are doing things right this year, you're going to see two things. One, you're going to see them win. And two, you're going to see a player like Mario Hazonia improve. You're going to see a player like Aaron Gordon improve. And the reason why I focus so specifically on Hazonia is because it's a second year, so he's obviously got the most room for improvement. But also, and also because of the the amount of investment that they made in him with that fifth draft pick. But also because Hazonia was the guy that, that I think suffered most from Scott Skiles' coaching. And it's not necessarily Skiles' fault. I, I think what Skiles was trying to teach Hazonia was valuable, will make him a better player in the long run. Vogel is going to be doing a lot of the same things, teaching a lot of defense, teaching a lot of uh, uh, a lot of those principles. You know, it, it's going to be it's going to be a very similar approach. But unlike Skiles. I think Vogel's got to let him off the leash a little bit. And if that's going to happen, Hazonia's got to make good on that trust. And as a rookie, it's okay to make some mistakes. As a second-year player, you got to see some improvement. And I think we will see that improvement. I'm I'm personally still very high on Hazonia. I think that he's going to... Uh, uh, be a lot better on the ball. I think they're going to put him on the ball a little bit more. Let him, you know, like the, he said he was a point guard. The Magic nominally ran him at some point guard last year. Uh, but he's not really a point guard. But I, I do think he can be successful playing on the ball. I want to see him more comfortable at the NBA three-point line. He only shot 34.9% from beyond the arc last year. I think he was still getting comfortable with the NBA three-point line. I want to see him take and make those shots comfortably. And I want to see him attack on offense. Defensively, I, w- I was very impressed with what I saw uh, at the Olympics. Uh, he does get caught chase get get caught chasing a few a few times with some rim protectors behind him. I think that will be better, and I think he showed plenty of effort to try and recover and use his athleticism to get back into plays after he gets beat. And I think if he shows that effort on defense, the Magic and and Vogel specifically will be will be pretty happy. It is just like for every Magic player, a big year. For him, and we're gonna see exactly what he's made of. And you know, frankly, it's it sounds early to be saying this, but Hazonia needs to prove that he belongs in the league long term as a critical role player, either off the bench or as a potential, or probably more likely as a potential future starter. If he does that, it will be a successful season for him, and I, and I think we're gonna see that. I, I'm. I'm really excited for Mario Hazonia this year. Um, I think uh, I think he's going to show a lot more confidence and comfort at the NBA level, and I think Vogel is going to be a coach that uh, will will teach him better than than the coaching than than Scott Skiles did last year, at least as far as getting results on the court. Like I said, I think what uh, it's it's very similar to the Victor Oladipo point guard experiment. Um, you knew he, Oladipo wasn't going to stay at point guard, but teaching him those skills in that setting was a good thing. I think. Skiles teaching Hazonia how to play defense 
was a good thing. I, I just wish he would have let him do it more in games and and kind of teach through some mistakes rather than teach from the bench. Um, because especially as the season was over, uh, it, it felt like it was time to let Hazonia go a little bit and, and let him just go out and play and not have to think as much um, and, and kind of teach that way. But the Magic obviously don't have that luxury anymore. Again, I want to thank everyone for listening to Locked On Magic this week. Uh, we're another week closer to the season. Very, very excited for the season to start. Uh, I'm going to actually uh, hopefully have some audio for you on Monday or Tuesday uh, from, a, from a Magic event that, that I'll be going to. Uh, should be uh, should be, exci- should be exciting as, as the players are in town. There's another round of uh, video shoots over at the Amway Center. You can check out Fox Sports Florida, Fox Sports FL on Snapchat for some video from that. I believe it's also... They also tweeted some video from Fox from at Fox Sports Magic. So yes, you can see some Magic players in their in their uniforms already. Uh, the season is getting very very real. Be sure to follow the show uh, follow the show on iTunes or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Audio Boom, and Stitcher. Leave us a five leave us a five star rating as well as a review if you would like. We really appreciate all the comments and support. If you have any inquiries to the show, whether it's advertisements or uh, questions for the show. We do sometimes do mini mailbags, and, and I still do the mailbag for OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Send us an email at omagicdaily at gmail.com. You can also follow me and I'm the show on Twitter at omagicdaily, and please check out the site, OrlandoMagicDaily.com, as well as some of the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, you can check out all of our guests from this week, uh, Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Of course, Jared Dubin from Locked On Knicks. Uh, Wes Goldberg and David Ramil from Locked On Heat. And Fred Katz from Locked On Thunder. You can also check out all the great podcasts. I know uh, David Locke for Locked On NBA did an interview with Quinn Snyder, the Utah Jazz head coach. A really interesting conversation there. Uh, and of course, the NFL is in full swing. You can follow your favorite NFL teams uh, on the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Uh, I was listening to Locked On Bucks on my way to the gym today, and Greg Alman of the Tampa Bay Times does a fantastic job covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're kind of sort of our local team, but if the Bucks aren't your thing, there's Locked On Jaguars and Locked On Dolphins for you as well. Thank you all again for listening. Have a great weekend. We will see you on Monday. You're Locked On Magic. Your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.